0: Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. In Galatians five twenty two twenty three, 23 we learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. Sometimes we ask ourselves if we have the Spirit of God with us. Am I listening to the Spirit? Am I following it? So Paul teaches the Galatians that it's actually quite easy to discern if we have the Spirit of the Lord with us, because if we do, we will experience the fruit of the Spirit. And what is the fruit? Well, before we answer that, let's review the passages just before these verses in Galatians. In verse 19, Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here Paul is talking about the sins of the flesh, and he says they're manifest, which means they're really quite obvious to see, to recognize. They're obviously wrong and evil. Then he named some of them, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, <laughs> hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. When he says, and such like, it means the list could go on. So... Paul's list reminds me of the verse in Mosiah 4 and 29, where King Benjamin is warning his listeners against the works of the flesh, and he summarizes it by saying, quote, And finally, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are divers ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. <laughs> so, after naming all these sins, Paul says, If you engage in this kind of behavior, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, obviously. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you need to walk in the Spirit. You need to live in the Spirit. And how do you know if the Spirit is with you? If you're walking in the Spirit? How do you know if you're following God? It's quite simple. You experience the fruit of the Spirit. Here are Paul's exact words in 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now you'll notice that he said that the works of the flesh are many. The word works is plural. And King Benjamin said that the works of the flesh are so numerous we cannot even name them all. This is important. The scriptures are teaching us that there are so many ways we can go astray in mortality that we cannot even imagine all the ways. Technology itself, for example, has led to a variety of evil acts that did not even exist before technology began to invade every part of our lives. That's why King Benjamin couldn't name all the ways, because he knew that changes in culture and changes in society would lead to more and more ways to go against God. Now, let's look again at what Paul said but the fruit of the Spirit is love. He didn't say the fruits of the Spirit are many, so many we cannot name them all. He said fruit in the singular. Here are the words of a Bible scholar that I like. Quote, so there's only one real fruit of the Spirit, that is love. These other words are defining what love actually is, or in a a sense, what comes from love itself. So, his interpretation reminds me of the words of my now-deceased friend, Arthur Henry King. He once said, When the Lord said we need to love the Lord with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, the latter words are for emphasis, because heart, by definition, includes our whole soul. Wholehearted and whole-souled mean the same thing. Our spirit and body are one. So when he says, with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, he's really saying, with your whole soul. And if I did not make it clear enough, I'll say it again, with your whole soul, or your whole heart. So in Galatians, it's similar. Paul is saying there's only one fruit of the Spirit, and that is love. Now, what do I mean by love? I mean joy. I mean peace, I mean long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We don't usually think of all these things as synonymous with love, but I agree with this interpretation, and of course it fits well with this podcast. What do we want more than anything else in mortality? We want to be filled with His love. Earlier in Corinthians, Paul taught that, that love suffereth long, and is kind, envieth not, is not puffed up, etc. And goes on with this list. This list actually corresponds quite well with the list in Galatians. But his whole message in 1 Corinthians is that love is the overarching, most important characteristic of all. So when we do things out of love, we feel joy. We feel joy ourselves, and we bring joy to others. We feel peace, and we bring peace to others. We are patient in suffering, and we bring patience in suffering to others. We are gentle. We're never harsh or attacking. Our acts are acts of goodness, and we are humble and meek. I think this list is such a powerful way to think about love and what happens when we feel God's love and express it to others. Love is not a side note in the gospel. Love is not one among many attributes of the Savior. It is the overarching one. It is the one that includes all the other attributes. That's precisely why love is the center of the first two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on this one divine attribute of love. When we walk in the spirit, we feel God's love and we want to share that love with others. I'm quite convinced, even though it's very challenging, that love can be our only motive. And when love is our only motive, we don't need to worry about much else. We can't take offense at someone else because we love them. We can't hurt anyone else because we love them. We can't offend God because we love Him. Love takes care of everything. And that's one reason that Paul ended his verse 22, with against such, in other words, against love, there is no law. In other words, love conquers all. Now, here's a little shift. I, I was thinking the other day about an act of love that was particularly impressive to me. When I was teaching at BYU, a fellow faculty member contracted early-onset dementia. I think he was in his 50s. It's a cruel kind of disease. It came on slowly, so it was hard to detect it at first. But students began to express concern to the department chair about the situation. Not I don't believe in a really harsh or complaining way. They didn't come and say this faculty member needs to be fired. I think they were saying, we have some concern about this faculty member because sometimes he forgets that he scheduled a quiz, and sometimes he thinks that he handed back our assignments when he did not. We're worried that he might have some kind of memory problem or something. We don't know what's happening. Well, the department chair had noticed some unusual behavior as well. And the faculty member, he was actually intellectually gifted. And so sometimes during this period of time, he seemed to misunderstand or misinterpret things in a very strange and unusual way that we did not know how to react to. We all wondered if something was wrong, but we did not know what it was at the time. But eventually the faculty member was diagnosed with early onset dementia, which is not a common thing, but it happened to this fellow. And the department chair did something that few in his position would have done, I believe. He offered to team teach with the faculty member. In other words, he helped him teach every class, helped him with grading, Every aspect of the class. The department chair had his own classes to teach, but he did this to help the faculty member finish out the year so he could leave the university with a more reasonable retirement. Because the department chair knew he would have to leave the university, and so did the faculty member eventually recognize this. But the department chair stepped in and helped him so that he could leave with at least enough to help support his family. So watching this happen, I did not think much of it. I I knew the department chair was a generous guy, so it seemed natural. But now I look back on it, and I think it was a very exceptional act of love. Did his act of love lead to those other attributes in the list that Paul enumerated? I've looked over that list, and I would say yes. Love is simply the most powerful force in the universe. The adversary has corrupted it in so many ways, but he can't undo its ultimate power. He cannot overcome Christ-like love. Love is the reason Christ atoned for our sins. Love is the essence of His mercy and forgiveness. Love was the reason He created this earth for us, so we could one day live with Him again. His love is infinite and intimate. If we open ourselves to Him, He will fill us with His love. And then we will know we are walking in the Spirit. Hope this is helpful to you, and we will look forward to seeing you next time.